This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. There it is, Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, you don't like that? You don't like Kings basketball? Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing good. I'm excited to get into draft talk. I think that we've waited long enough and it's gotten to a point where there's just no regular season basketball to talk about, no playoff basketball to talk about. I think it's time. I think it is. I think it is. And we already were kind of just peeking at it and keeping tabs on the obviously 2020 draft class with Sacramento potentially being a lottery team here. But now we get to fully dive into it. And we're going to go through most of the guys that are projected lottery, and you kind of paired them. We're going to go through two guys a day. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'll let you uh, take the lead here in, as regards to the two guys we're going to touch on today. Yeah, so today we're going to do Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman. Uh, Anthony Edwards, obviously from the Georgia Bulldogs, Wiseman, Kind of from the Memphis Tigers. <laughs> Didn't really get to play that much. <laughs> from Penny Hardaway's pockets. Yeah. Um, and I I think that they're a good pair to do on episode one because I think if we're going on ceiling, um, it's a little bit deba- debatable with uh, LaMelo, but I think if we're truly looking at the absolute ceiling of any player in the draft, it's probably these guys that – that have the best possible highest outcome. I would agree. And I think that part of the reason for that, and they have this um, similarly as well, is that they're both just physical freaks. I mean, yes. in different ways, but they both are absolutely dominant physically. And that's where the upside comes from because there is still a lot of questions, but this physicality for both of them is really what sets them apart, I feel like. Totally. I think you could get into LaMelo and Denny, but it's really that's getting more into – skills um it's like they're they have super high skill levels but they're not explosive athletes in the way that these two guys are and that's kind of where a lot of potential comes from um if you are just truly a next level athlete there's a chance that you can be the best player from your from your draft and you can develop a little bit more skill as time goes on Right, right. That, that's definitely the thought process. And then there's also times where you see guys that keep obviously have that athletic profile and then aren't able to piece it together. So, I mean, there's definitely risk here. It's not the top that you're used to seeing in drafts, especially recent drafts. This is seen as weaker at the top. And like I said, these guys definitely still have some question marks to them. And uh, these also are the guys that are mocked for the most part near one and two. Um, it is a, obviously a polarizing draft this year, so people have varying opinions, but you see them pretty consistently up there. Um, and how do you feel about starting with Anthony Edwards? Because I feel like he's the number one. I definitely want to start with Anthony Edwards. Um, I And I think we just should get started with his biggest strength. Um, it, it's got to be his athleticism, right? Yeah, has to be. 6'5", 225. Um, the, and he's a little younger, actually. He was born in August, so he's 18 years old right now. Uh, he's going to be one of the younger guys 
And, yeah, just absolutely dominant physically. When, when he is able to get to the rim, guys are bouncing off of him. He's got a crazy first step. He's got a lot of bounce to him. A, um, he jumps high on his shots and has a high release to him. It, physically, it, it really feels like most everything is there. I mean, he's agile. His hips turn quick. There's not many negatives, if really any for the most part, like physically. Aside from, I mean, like 6'5", like he's a shooting guard, but that's just – it's what it is, you know. Um, yeah, I think that, like you're saying, obviously physicality is the biggest thing here for him. So I actually want to talk about his position. I was going to save this for later, but you brought it up, and I I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a shooting guard. I think that he's got real small forward potential. Um, six foot five, but a very big wingspan, yeah. just under 6'10 in the wingspan. Um, obviously has the strength, has the bulk, has the the I, I, I don't mean height, but the size, the uh, frame of a guy that can guard threes. Um, and this is just something I heard kind of off the cuff today, listening to um, some draft podcasts going over uh, past past years that guys like Giannis came into the league and grew three inches from when they were drafted. All right. Um, so, and obviously, we're not expecting a Giannis like growth spurt from anybody that was such an outlier. Like, you can look at pictures of him, although a lot of that was his strength and his frame as well, building out. But, I mean, 18 year olds do get bigger. This is true. I definitely grew after, uh, after the point of being 18. So, there is possibility there. And, and I see where you're saying with the three. Um, I, I think that he definitely is capable of giving you minutes there, um, and maybe even being there long-term. I just, I don't know, threes and fours feel pretty similar in today's league to me. And I I don't really see him being able to slide to that four, and sometimes there's these bigger threes. Like, I I think he just could have some issues at the three at times um, with, with, like, I don't see him as guarding a a dominant three, really. Well, what... What's a dominant three? Because then I think in my mind a dominant three is like a four. Uh, like if we're talking about your Kawhis of yeah. the world, like I see them more as fours. I guess that's fair, yeah, because I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking that top tier for sure. I mean, but like a, a PG, I guess. Like I think he could guard Paul George. Like not well, obviously Paul George is an incredible scorer. He's uh, going to give anybody, any rookie, huge, huge problems. But I think he's got the frame to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, six, if he's 6'5 now, 6'9.5 wingspan, I think that he could end up, you know, 6'6 six, six with no shoes on, 6'10, six, 6'10.5 ten, six, ten wingspan, uh, you know, maybe 230. Like, I think that's, I think that could reasonably be a three. And yep. if it's not a three, it's a fucking huge two. Like, right. that, he's going to have such an insane advantage in size at the two. So I guess it doesn't really matter how we kind of position him, but I think his size is a good thing. And if we are going to look at him as a two, then he's just like the world's most athletic, like physical two that there is. Yeah. I I think that um, I I had not considered him potentially growing. It's definitely a possibility. That'd be huge for him here. Um, And yeah, this uh, just overwhelming build that he has, he's able to power through people, like I said, a quick first step, and all of this really, I mean, one of the main pluses you see from him because of all this athleticism is in the transition game. Uh, Synergy has him in the 81st percentile, but I, I feel like he's just dominant when he's able to get get uh, going in the full court setting and have the ball in his hands and just get a head of steam going downhill. Yeah, and it's his entire physical profile. It's, like you said, going getting downhill – uh, you know, going baseline. If he, I mean, his first step is is pretty elite as well. So it's not just strength and explosion. It's uh, or it's not just strength and elevation. It's explosion, turning the corner. Um, you don't see it quite as well on defense. Uh, I think that he's still got a little bit of learning to do there, but the 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 tools are there, um, and I think that the size makes him a pretty good rebounder and rim protector for a two. Uh, like, uh, he'd be very good, a very good rebounder, rim protector for a two, and I think he'd be passable 
as a three in both of those departments? I think he'd be passable for sure. I think the question, and this is going to be in a lot of his game, is just engagement, especially, but especially on the defensive end. Um, he did have a ridiculous usage, obviously, with Georgia, his team, not really having anyone else there. So, you know, maybe it's just carrying too much load on offense. That, But there were definitely moments where he just was not engaged defensively. So that potential is there. Um, but the the engagement, the just paying attention when you're on weak side to, in order to be in a capable position to get those help side blocks that you're talking about, um, I, I think that is still very much a question for him because you're right. The capabilities are there for sure, but he's just not always locked in. I, I do really think that could be just an absurd usage on the offense then, though. That's definitely got to be a part of it. Um, it's definitely worth noting that Georgia didn't win a lot of games. Uh, they were not going to make the tournament at the time that the season was canceled. Yeah. Um, so that brings up some questions of like, you know, is it possible for a guy that was on a losing college team to come in and be the driving force of a ton of wins right away in the NBA? And probably, probably not. I mean, you can't make, you can't put him on a bad team and expect the team to get good all of a sudden because that didn't even happen in college. Um, obviously there's, it's not like a perfect analogy, but I do think he's kind of a floor raiser um, where there's a lot of teams in the league. I think his fit would be so good on a team that just has no number one option right now, like a Cleveland or uh, Detroit, um, even the, even the Knicks, Chicago, maybe Charlotte would be great. Like I think that he could come in and be a number one option and get them out of the basement, but I don't know that he's going to, like, I don't think he would fit well at all with, like, Golden State. Right. Is it sort of like, I mean, are you really contributing to winning basketball, like winning at the highest level, right? Right. Um, and, yeah, I think a lot of his potential, obviously, we haven't even got to it yet, is is this jump shot here. Um, and it's very, it's very sketchy, but this is what he likes to do. He has this ridiculous pull-up game to him that we mentioned, I mentioned he has this high elevation, but the shots are not going down very well for him. Uh, 67% of the time in the half court, he's shooting a jump shot, and he's hitting 28%. Yeah, that's not good. Um, Overall, the three-point percentage was 29%, and that's, that's obviously from the college line as well, so... That's definitely a concern. Um, who are – I was trying to think of guys in the league that, you know, maybe twos or threes, you know, bigger twos or smaller threes that have been successful offensive weapons that don't really have a consistent three-point percentage. And let me throw a name out there. You know, all these comps are going to be imperfect, but what do you think about DeMar DeRozan as – kind of an offensive style comp. That's interesting. Um, I, I think that Edwards would be less hesitant to shoot threes because he's still throwing them up. Um, but I, I see where you're coming with that because, I mean, that's one of the few guys that really is not a threat three-point shooter. I, I mean, I, I think if you're looking at Edwards as a potential number one, that you kind of have to buy the jumper, that the three-point shot will end up working out, that he's just throwing him up. Like, I mean, his shot selection's terrible. It's fucking terrible. Um, so you got to hope that, you know, you just iron that out a little bit and the percentage gets a little bit better here. And, you know, are you talking a B version Paul George sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think that that's interesting as well. Um Paul George obviously definitely brought the shot around, but it came around later. And that happens with a lot of guys, too. Like, Kawhi didn't shoot successfully uh, in college, like, at all. Um, And some people credit that to the Spurs organization. Some credit it to just, like, they should have – some people think that it should have been – the mechanics were there and they should have seen it or they should have seen the potential to change the mechanics or what have you. But um, obviously he's not going to be the physical – specimen in terms of size that Kawhi is, uh, but I, yeah, I, I worry about the shot. What about R.J. Barrett as another kind of comparison? Yeah, I don't think he has the playmaking of R.J. Barrett it is the issue, yeah. I, I, and like, it, there is, I mean, it kind of screams a lot of Wiggins, no? 
Yeah, no, it does. That, that's great. I actually brought that up to Bryant, the draft guy at the Kings Herald. Um, the, he, that's like the worst case scenario for Edwards is that he's just he's just Andrew Wiggins. And if he doesn't grow, he's a smaller Wiggins. Like Wiggins, I mean, yeah, there's physicality. Yeah. He's also just bigger, you know. Right. I think Wiggins was. I think he's six seven now. Yeah. So he's not. I mean, he's not that much smaller than Wiggins. I wonder what his measurements were coming out of college. Probably a little bigger than, than Edwards, but yeah. And then that, I think the question with Wiggins was always kind of between the ears and mm-hmm. how much he wanted to win, how much he wanted to make smart plays. And I, this is really hard because we don't know this guy. Obviously we haven't seen, we haven't like, we don't know who he is as a player yet. And that may not, that that's also going to be an issue when we get to James Wiseman in a little bit here, but it's almost impossible to tell, especially from our standpoint, not being in front offices, not being involved with, not being able to interview him, not being able to talk to people that he's worked with, that have coached him before. We don't really know. But I will say I'm, I feel a little bit better about his mentality than I do about Wiggins. Mm-hmm. He looks aggressive. You know, like, I mean, he does settle too much for these jumpers. Like, you'd like to see him, like we said, I think he's good at getting to the rim um, when he wants to. He just doesn't do it enough. Like, he's an average finisher around the rim, 53%, but guys really bounce off of him. So I'd like to see him, you know, just command a little bit more there. Um, But did you possibly see his little run of 26 points in 12 minutes against Michigan State? This was in Maui? Yes. I did. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. He looks like a superstar there. That's when it's his jumper's falling, right? Right. I mean, that's that's what it that's the outcome that you're hoping for if you're saying you buy his jumper. Right. That's the example of it. It is. Um. And but it, and that is just him pulling up over these ridiculously contested shots off the dribble. He is definitely able to create space for himself. That, that's a really big plus we hadn't mentioned yet, actually. Um, but yeah, and even in that Michigan State game, you're gonna get this this shot creating, and he's knocking them down and difficult looks. It doesn't really matter. But again, I mean, the playmaking's not really there. Like he's going off. So I, I mean, maybe you could argue you'd rather him be shooting it than passing it to some of his other Georgia teammates here. But even in that game, 37 points, but only two assists and five turnovers here. So I think that's a little bit of where this. You know, he's not really making Georgia win because he seems like a very self-centric player, and there is a little bit of ball-stopping worries there. Yeah, um, and I wonder how that plays in as far as, like, if your team's not that good and you don't have great complementary players, does your coaching staff kind of let you do what you want, where they let him take, you know, almost eight threes a game, Whereas is if he gets into the NBA world, those coaches there are going to be like, all right, no more of that. You've got to play, you've got to play basketball that like suits your teammates as well. Do we see his three point attempts drop down to like three or four a game, even lower? Right. Uh, um, yeah, I, it would have been really interesting to see him just on a roster with some other talent, you know, even second round talent, something like that. Um, but is what it is, and. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think that the the upside he has because of this space creating and knocking down difficult shots, ris- ridiculous physicality, I mean, he's probably going to be first pick here. And if Sacramento had that pick, I mean, he's probably who I'm going with. Like, we'll we'll get into Wiseman a little bit here as well. Um, but the, the upside, I think, is undeniable for Edwards. Yeah, so let's talk about the Kings in their – how they're sitting in the draft right now. And, and I think it is important to talk about every prospect available. It's not that there's a high probability that the Kings will get a chance at Edwards. Right now they sit 12th in the lottery standings, uh, which gives them a five, oh, sorry, a 6.2% chance to move into the top four and a 1.3% chance to move to number one overall. But there's so many asterisks all over this, like, we don't know if there will be more seasons to play. We don't know if those standings will shuffle a little bit. Um, we don't know if the odds, the lottery odds, could be flattened. Um, I know that Tony Soteris, friend of the podcast, just wrote for the Kings Herald about how he thinks the odd, uh, lottery odds should be flattened. I don't necessarily agree with him, but I, like he mentioned, there are conversations. Anything could happen. 
So there's a decent chance, not completely insignificant chance, maybe a little less than 10% chance that the Kings do end up in the top four. Um, and Edwards could slide a little bit. Like I said, I don't think that Golden State would go for him number one overall unless they were trying to trade that pick. Um, and there's some questionable matches uh, with other teams as well. So I don't know. Maybe there's only like a 2 or 3% chance that Sacramento even gets a chance to pick Edwards. But if they have a pick and Edwards is on the board for their pick, I do feel I do feel pretty strongly that he would be the, the best choice. I think so, too. And, I mean, you kind of just run your ass off, right? Like like they were doing last year. Well, I think what he would be, yeah, that for sure. And I think that kind of what he – he's probably your best bet at a star in this draft. And you've brought up the point before that that's – kind of what the Kings need and the only real way to get another star would be through the draft. So it feels like you got to take that swing, that home run swing on a guy like Edwards. And I think that his fit would actually be pretty good with Sacramento. How? Hmm. Explain um, that a little bit because, I mean, well, I, I think it might be because you view him as a three, but what do you I think do. of like the whole buddy bogey thing going on too? Yeah, no, that, that's why I, at first I had questions about it, but I think that his fit would be fine. I think that either Buddy or Bogey is going to come off the bench, and I think you just slot in Edwards at the three. I know it's not maybe ideal to put a 6'5 guy there, but, again, 18 years old, 6'5 already, 6'10 wingspan. 225. Almost, yeah, 225, like – I think I think he does grow a little bit. I, I think it would be kind of crazy for him to not grow at all. And, yeah, I mean, it it works for me. Um, he's a guy that would just get buckets. He's just a, he's a, he's just a pure scorer, bucket getter. He's not maybe elite from the outside, maybe not even above average from the outside, but he can score from anywhere on the court. I think he will just get you buckets, and I think that's probably what – the Kings need, like, Buddy is a shooter, pretty much a pure shooter. Fox is your lead ball handler. Um, you know, Bagley, you know, we don't know what's going on with him, but regardless, he's, you know, he's a big man. That, that That's kind of play finisher type. And it's, there isn't a guy on this Kings team that is like Edwards. There's not. Um, the closest thing would probably be bogey, but just, like, with so much less physical tools. Um, yeah, I think that – so let's say hypothetically that he did get drafted to Sacramento. I mean, are you – and you're saying playing him at the three, is this, like, you would bring him off the bench? I don't think we need to get too deep into it, but I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, you could also slide Barnes to a four, and that would be interesting. I would probably start him at the three day one. Um, and I would, you know, however this bogey buddy thing shakes out, right. one of them starts at the two, one of them comes off the bench, Fox obviously starts at the one, I moved Barnes, I would move Barnes to the four and have him play down, or, how, you know, some people will call that up, but uh, down in the number, like from four to three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's fine. I, I could also – see him coming off the bench and sliding Barnes up, starting Barnes at the three, sliding him up to the four. Right. I, yeah. I, don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a perfect fit um, or even necessarily, like, ideal, but it's just, you know, you take the talent and you make it work. And, and not, it's not a terrible fit either. Um, so, yeah, there's logic to it there, but it's, it's just, you know, you take the high talent. Like you're saying, a guy that can be a superstar. Sacramento might not have that, um, depending on your feelings on Fox and – throw Bagley in there too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just take this guy because there is that ridiculous upside there. I don't think it goes – there. I think there would be growing pains of, like, working him with Fox a little bit since both of these guys like to have the ball in their hands. When you got both of them in transition, it would be just glorious. It would be beautiful. Um, but, yeah, th- there would be a little bit of issues, I think, getting those two guys um, comfortable with each other. I guess, like, there would be with any prospects, though, so – it's far from perfect, but this is the upside guy that I feel like you would have to take. And I don't really feel like he needs the ball in his hands that much. I know he played point guard a lot in Georgia, but that's 
like lead ball handler, but that was really that team was just no good around him. It wasn't. I think that was out of necessity, and I think he's totally fine to work off ball. Not an amazing catch and shoot guy, but you have Bogey or Buddy for that. Um, Barnes can do that. Bielitsa, if he's around, can do that. I think that he's a totally fine like off ball guard slash forward, like off ball wing. I think it's. I think I think it works fine. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I, I do like his on ball defense. I think he has a lot of work to do in that area and his off ball defense definitely definitely needs work but um I think he's got strong on ball defensive skills and that wingspan is really really pesters um passing lanes and I think that he's got the potential to to become a, a decent to good defender as well. Yeah, I think that that potentially that potential 100% is there. Like you're saying I I like the the on ball offense as well. The the off ball is uh, definitely has capabilities with that athleticism, just needs to be locked in a little bit more. Um, but that's that's most of what I got here for uh, for Anthony Edwards, man. What else? Uh, what else do you feel like you want to talk about with him? With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, it's no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Maybe to transition a bit, I mean, who are the other guys? You didn't seem 100% on him being the pick if you had your choice of anyone in this draft. Mm-hmm. Who are the other guys that you would consider? Wiseman's interesting. I think the Wiseman, we'll get into Wiseman, but I think he's really similar to Bagley in a way, just kind of a center. Um, and so that, it just depends how you feel about Bagley for me with the Wiseman one. But that's the other one here because those are the two guys that could be stars. Um, and then Eileen Edwards just because wings over centers, pretty much. So so pretty much this episode we'd be covering pretty much every – all the people that you would consider at the number one pick? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd probably, my ideal might be, no, nah, I mean, you've got to go, you got to reach for the guy that could be a star. I, I think that you do, do you go for Edwards there, um, but I would consider trading down because, you know, I'd prefer a, a Coro or Denny or something that really fits that, you know, three, four wing more, uh, perf- more specifically and confidently than I am with Edwards. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I don't think, by the way, just to throw this out there, I'm going to look it up real quick, but I don't think that Okoro is like a better size. Like I, I think he's pretty much the same okay. size. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, I'll have to – yeah, I haven't uh, done my full Okoro dive yet, so you could be right about that. Um, but that, that's, that's more defense and impact guy yeah. on that end, you know. I've seen him – I, I'm seeing him listed as 6'5", 225, which is the exact size of it. Oh, wow. But, but I've also seen places give, us, give him a little more height, 6'6", six, six, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the shoes thing. And, again, measurements are so right. so unreliable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah, no, I, but, yeah, the space creation, the self-creation, and just scoring ability is just flat out. I mean, if you're able to do that at a high level, which Edwards has potential to, there's just – more value there than an impact defensive player for for the most part. Like you need a guy that can self create and potentially be obviously a number one in an offense, you know? Right. And I think that Edwards could be a number one and I think he could also be a number two without like I don't think he needs to be a number one. I don't think you need to break down your team in order to rebuild it around Edwards. But but um yeah, I, I mean this can all evolve. Right now he's my number one guy for any team and number one guy yeah. for a Kings specific pick, uh, but yeah, let's 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 talk about James Wiseman. 
Yeah, we got a another ridiculous specimen here. I mean, seven feet tall, seven one in some places. Uh, I saw two forty on one side, two forty seven on another. About a seven four wingspan. I mean, just again, overwhelmingly athletic. Except this time, you're talking about a just ginormous man, <laughs> nine foot three standing reach. Nine foot three standing reach is what the hell? Absolutely monstrous. Yeah. I mean, okay, so he has very similar height, weight, wingspan to Embiid, which yeah. obviously is very promising there. But also, you got to look at the other side, similar to Whiteside. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I he's he's not quite as big, or I think that it was Gobert that had the highest standing reach of uh, of of, play, of like current starters. I think he's nine foot six with the standing reach. Uh, I think guys like Taco Fall obviously got him beat, but mm-hmm. um, like, and he doesn't have the frame of a guy like Gobert. Obviously, Wiseman is a lot skinnier. Um, you see it in his legs a lot as well. Like you mentioned, the height and weight of Embiid, I, and I think that is Embiid's listed weight going into the draft, where he's he's filled out quite a bit. Yeah, he definitely has, and like you said, Wiseman is. Wiseman's skinnier here. Yeah, it hasn't beat as 250 now on basketball reference. Um, Wiseman's a little skinnier. He can run better for sure. I, I think that's one of the, the pluses that he gets for being a little lighter. Um, and, and he's very agile. I, I would say maybe more so than Embiid. Like you see these really nice spin moves. Embiid's doing that a little more as well. Um, but it, it's more physicality backing you down and just overwhelming you that you get with Embiid. And you don't quite see that with Wiseman. It looks like a little more finesse even com- combined with this ridiculous athleticism. But, you know, he, it, like I said, he's got some spin moves to him. He likes to face up and shoot a jumper at times, which is, uh, which is interesting because you don't, that's, I, I don't think that's how you would prefer <laughs> to utilize him in an offense. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you're getting a rim running, protector is is pretty much what you're guaranteed to get here for the most part. Um, and then the shot is a question that really fluctuates his ceiling. Yeah, for for Wiseman, I'm in love with the length, the size, the speed, the athleticism, the explosiveness. All of those tools are incredible. Um, and like you said, what that guarantees you is a guy that is a rim-running nightmare like he's going to really like ruin people um in transition and finishing lobs like you know a lot of his tape is like he kind of gets position near the basket and (laughs) the the point guard is just like dribbling above the top of the key and just throws a lob in (laughs) like right we didn't didn't even see him in college like this is mostly high school of course this guy's going to dominate other high school players you know Oh, it was a bloodbath in high school. Like, that's the thing. Like, he'll get matched up on, like, a 6'7 guy, and it's like, all right, good night. Like, we're just going to throw the ball right. anywhere near the backboard, and he's going to go up and get it and, and throw it down. Um, that's not going to happen against guys like Rudy, Rudy Gobert, but my general take on him is that I I would be really, really high on the Wiseman if he – if I thought that he would – be just a traditional old school center who never took a shot outside of 10 <laughs> feet, um, never tried to do any fancy dribble moves. Like I know that he has some of those skills. Like we've seen the jumper is interesting. He gets, he gets such a high release point and he's so much taller than guys already. They can shoot over like pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very tempting to do that. And he does do that a lot. He takes that shot a lot. This sounds but, like Willie Colley sign PTSD. Yeah. That, that's really where I'm at. Um, I don't know if you saw the interview with him where he compared himself to Giannis. Like they asked him, "Oh wow, what no, type I did not." Yeah, they asked him, "What type of player are you most like in the NBA?" And he said Giannis. And he talked about how he has the handling and the dribbling skills of Giannis type of player. And it's like, no, you don't, dude. And if you think that, I mean, that's the straight up best of Willie Cauley-Stein to Kristaps Porzingis situation. It is. I, I will say, like, his handle did really surprise me. I wouldn't be confident with in it, but there's times where, you know, he gets the defensive board and he takes it himself, and it is really impressive. Like, he can run near full speed and it, at least keep the ball with him. Um, I, I think he definitely could get picked, but that's definitely not what you're 
asking him to do, I don't think. Um, yeah, well, and you're right. It's not – you're right to, to check me there because I was going overboard. It's it's not nearly as bad as Willie Cauley-Stein to Christoph Spurzinga's comparison. But it's, it's like – yeah. <laughs> it's in that same – like real – it's in that same general arena where it, you – like if you just said, "Hey, I want to be, I want to be, uh, I, I want to be Rudy Gobert. I want to, I want to build, right. I want to build strength. I want to be a defensive player of the year, and I'll take whatever baskets I get. I'm mostly, it's mostly going to be dunks. Like I would be so on, so much more on board for him. But the best thing is probably Joel Embiid, right? I don't think that he has the, uh, like the post moves to to be in the okay. Embiid. I don't think he has the craft. I don't think he has the scoring ability. Um, you mentioned some <clears throat> some nice spin moves, and, and like you see a little bit of it in the highlight tapes. But my concern is that he settles for stuff. Yes. So much he settles for jumpers. He settles for hooks, and even against much much smaller guys, uh, like in high school and stuff like that, where you shouldn't be settling for anything but a dunk. Like, you should be getting dunks on right. 90% of your offensive possessions. Yeah, there's plenty of times where you you do see him be able to do that, just dominate people because he's so much more athletic, stronger, taller, bigger. But there's also times where it's like, you're ginormous. How are you getting knocked off by this guy? Um, you know, high school tape of these these guards postering him, everybody's going to get postered at some point. But there there's definitely moments where – you're saying he's not engaged, and it, it's just like, you know, you, this, you should not be allowing people to get away with this pretty much. Like, you see defensive, um, offensive rebounds for him because he seems really locked in there, but there's inconsistencies on the defensive end because he doesn't always put a body on someone and use that size that he has. Um, so I, I, he, he definitely scares me. Yeah, I don't think that he knows what he should be doing a lot of the time. Um, and that's probably symptomatic of a guy that only played five games in college and symptomatic of a guy who's been a number one recruit, like, throughout his whole life. Like, he was the number one high school recruit, like, everywhere, right? And so... What, what do you make of that, though? Like, do, do you look at that and think that that's an obvious area for him to improve or more of a likely question mark throughout his career? The, like, the awareness stuff? yeah. Um, I think that it's a red flag. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely – so any any real weakness is – could just be an area for improvement. Um, and obviously if he if he becomes a really smart real, – like a guy that plays within himself and, you know, is conservative with his decision-making, then he can be really, truly amazing. But for the most part, I think i got to view weakness as a weakness rather than a, an opportunity right. to grow. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just things like really poor timing at times on on some shot-blocking attempts, uh, not really being physical with his screens. There there are moments, don't get me wrong, where the rim protection is ridiculous. There was a, apparently a Nike Hoop Summit. He had six blocks in 22 minutes. I mean, like, you definitely see stretches of it. Um, but, it, you know, if we're talking about a number one guy, I mean – We've we've said it before that center is like so replaceable. Is this guy really giving you superstar talent from the center, or is this just like a? I, I mean, how f- much better is he going to be than a Clint Capella? No, it's a great point. It's a great point. Um, the center, the the way that we've seen the center market, you know, really the value of replacement player raises and the level of stars drops off. And I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think back. So, obviously, Zion, I don't know if you'd even call him a center. He's just too much of a unicorn to really put yeah, in, that, probably not. in that role. And then, but, like, going back, every big man picked too early, it, it feels kind of like a mistake. Like, DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley, for that matter, over Luka, it feels like a mistake. Like, I think that Ayton's yeah. going to be pretty good, but – would you really want to spend a number one overall draft pick on him? I don't know. Going back to a guy like Towns, it's interesting because he hasn't really – it hasn't borne out into wins, but you see that he has this 
elite shooting ability. Right, right. Towns is a god of a shooter. Um, he's a god. I mean, he's going to be a career 40% three-point shooter. Right, he's probably the best shooting center feet. we've ever seen, yeah. Yeah, so like that's the type of guy that I'm happy to spend a number one draft pick on. But right. what do you I, what do you think of my Marvin Bagley just seven feet tall? Not perfectly, you know. Like I, I think that Bagley, I don't know. I mean, if you got a little taller, you, your speed probably goes down a little bit as well. Um, I, I I don't know. I see a lot of it, you know, facing up in the mid range. Um, and trying to go past guys, settling a little too much. Definitely when I see the, you know, being engaged offensive rebounds, not really on the defensive end. It's tough. I mean, I think that Wiseman is in a different stratosphere defensively, but yeah. then, then again, that's what happens when you have a 9-foot-3 standing reach. So if you're saying Bagley had a 9-foot-3 standing reach, stood 7-foot-1 with a 7-9 wingspan, like, and yeah, you're probably right. It feels like similar games to me, um, and, and I guess if we were talking about, you know, say Sacramento tried to pair those guys together, I, I think that's a pretty it's a pretty rough fit. Obviously, oh, we talked about disaster. yeah, obviously we talked about Bagley with non shooters before, and that being an issue. But uh, to me, like Wiseman would need to almost replace Bagley in a way. It would be a complete disaster. I don't. I mean, unless you play them like. One starts and one comes off the bench and they never spend time together. Then you gotta trade homes, right? Uh, and and let's, I, let's say Bagley isn't even there. I mean, the fit with Fox has a lot of questions. Even do you think so? I think so. I mean, for the same reason that Bagley does. Yeah, because they both don't shoot. Like they both are guys that are trying to get downhill to the basket. Well, I don't really have an issue with Fox and Bagley as a pair. So I, that's probably why I don't have an issue with Fox and Wiseman. I think you can have two guys that don't shoot incredibly well and and to be fair like Fox is like a functional shooter yeah um yeah and and I guess also to be fair to Wiseman like there is some potential there there is some yeah I all right let me ask you a couple questions here with because I love the the bad comparison I was going to ask you already one of these questions but all right let me ask you this who do you think would be a better shooter between Wiseman and Bagley oh shit uh god they're both so ugly probably Wiseman, like Bagley, that little hop that Bagley has to him makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's pretty close. They're both going to be bad, is how I feel. Like, yeah, they're both going to be thirty percent. You know, like yeah, both will be thirty percent at best on a small on a small volume. Right. Um. Okay. Then yeah, let me just get to the question I was going to ask you before. Would you rather have Marvin Bagley or James Wiseman? Mm, Wiseman, because Bagley's position is so. Up in the air. Um, I would too. I I would trade Marvin Bagley for James Wiseman. Yeah, I I would definitely do that. I, I don't um uh, I, I don't really see how you could go the other way, really. Um, yeah, I, I mean I I 100% would go Wiseman. You question Bagley's position, you need rim protection is the biggest one of if not the biggest need for Sacramento, and Wiseman is giving you that instantly. It's not like Holmes is the guy that you have on your roster and you don't pick. Center for because of that or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I 100% take Wiseman over Bagley. I would love a Wiseman Holmes rotation at the five, kind of like a Clippers esque, like again yeah. going back to the whole Holmes as Montrez, uh, that type of role. Right. Oh, yeah. I would feel so that. good about the rim protection. I would feel great about the rim so protection. So different. Um, and and then this isn't to say that Wiseman's going to come in and be a defensive player of the year candidate from day one. He does need to work on his recognition and awareness mm-hmm. uh, defensively. But but again, like when you got a nine three standing reach, like right. you know it goes a long way. It goes a long way. And but yeah, also I mean, people could be buying just because of that, you know. Right, and that's I think that these guys and Edwards too, to a certain extent. Like you brought up the Wiggins comparison. Yeah. The guys that are built on their athletic profile, they have the biggest, not only the biggest boom, but, like, the biggest bust potential as well. You could just be seeing the athletics, like, and then you get you get Anthony Edwards onto the court and he shoots 25% from three for his career. Um, you get right. Wiseman onto the, onto the court and he never becomes – just face um, ups like, and pulls mid ranges all day. He, he just, yeah, he never develops the defensive awareness he needs to be a truly effective. Even with, you know, to, even with a six three standing reach, he still doesn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. He just is out of position all the time. Like, 
those are both real possibilities, and it's it's frightening. But in a draft like this where there isn't a guy that there aren't questions about, I think you do probably have to take the risk. You think so? Hypothetically, Sacramento's sitting at two. Edwards is already taken. Um, I mean, what do you what do you feel about this Wiseman thing? It's not as easy for me as to put Edwards number one, mm-hmm. and it's because of the Bagley of it all. Like you've already got this, dude. Right. Like unless you felt like you could find a suitor for Bagley, I don't know. Um, I mean, because. Say you do draft Wiseman, like, you have to trade Bagley. Right. And how much shit do you get if you draft Wiseman at the same position as Bagley? So much shit. And And you didn't draft Luka because he's the same position as Fox. And then you get so much shit if Bagley becomes good or if Wiseman doesn't become better. Like, it's such an awful position to be in. Right. I don't know. I mean, if I could get... Just so many guards is the other issue, like the other top of this class, you know? Right. I mean, the dream scenario, and it would never happen, but if you could, if you ended up moving up to number two and you take Wiseman and you're able to trade down badly for like an Akora or a Devin Vassell, mm-hmm. and it's like. I like um, Onkongwu. Uh, I think we're going to get, he's going to be interesting to talk compared to Wiseman. Um, I. I I need to dive more into Onyeka, but I currently am leaning him over Wiseman. Um, and really? Seen, I, I've seen plenty of people doing that throughout the year. I think the feel is such a big deal for this center. Like, the size is a concern for Onyeka, but I think just having that, that intelligence to your game as a center is, is such a big deal to me. Well, see, I, I thought – the reason I'm surprised is that I, I thought we were saying that these were your two guys, uh, Edwards yeah. and Wiseman. But well, the, the the upside of Wiseman is what probably puts him over Onyeka because you're right. Yeah, I there is there is a reason that I, hmm, I for the Kings I would put in Yeka. I think. See, I feel like Onyeka almost has more of an overlap with Bagley because like they are more similar sized. Yeah, I see that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's more versatility to Onyeka. I feel like. He's going to be interesting. We'll get into him um, in, in a little bit of a later episode here. But, yeah, the Bagley concern with Wiseman is definitely where that, that fit becomes a question. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm like I've said, I'm pretty terrified of Wiseman. I, I think that I'm pretty terrified. you very much could end up with a Hassan Whiteside, you know? So what – so say say you, you move up and Wiseman uh, – yeah, say you move up to number two, Edwards is off the board – do you take Wiseman or do you trade down? Like, what's the package you would take to trade down and and let go of Wiseman? What's like the worst draft pick package, or you could even talk role players as well that you would accept for the number two pick? Hmm. I don't think the package is quite there this year, but or maybe a hmm. If you're moving down to say like. Let me pull up the, the lottery odds here. If you're moving down to, what, like Char- uh, Chicago, say like six, and you got next year's first? Yeah, that's um, – like think of like the Luka Atlanta trade. Kind yeah, of. that's like, kind of what I thought of. If you – would you take, um, yeah, five or six and like I, Detroit's, I a, Detroit's a good one. Would you take the, the fifth pick and their – 2021 or New York for sure for sure I went with Chicago because I think that they'd be more trying to win right now than those other two teams um but but yes I would definitely do that Uh, 100% Wiseman's you know second pick Edwards is gone I'm trying to trade down assuming that people are really looking at Wiseman you know and how far down would you go like if we're Mm -hmm. doing this pick and actually like would you take Charlotte like say they finished at the eighth spot or with the lottery like would you take the eighth pick in there? Hmm. I could. Hmm. It's close. Ninth pick, tenth. I mean, Charlotte where do you would love? Where do you cut it off? Say. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is like twelve, because uh, I think that's where you start to fall off a little bit. Um, but probably about ten. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. I mean, that that'd be a come up for the. 
whatever it, it that would. Team is. It would. I mean, you're still and you're going down pretty far. I just don't like. I, I just don't buy it quite enough, you know. And, and I think that the fit obviously is is a big question. It seems like Sacramento still believes in Bagley from what they're putting out there. Um, and and I, I still think that you need to be giving Bagley chances, you know, assuming he stays healthy. Um, yeah, I, I would trade down and go for one of these wings. And part of the reason I'm willing to go to, say, like 10 is because I feel like, you know, the next three picks could all be guards. Yeah, maybe New York is a good one because they have two first-rounders. So, I mean, would you take six and 27? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. No, I think two lotteries. Okay. You know, next year's first as well, which is a lot. But, like, why? I mean, Wiseman does have – is it superstar upside? I don't think so. I mean – Like, I guess, I guess hypothetically, like, complete peak ceiling, he could. Yeah, I, I think his absolute peak is defensive player of the year. And I don't even know if that's superstar – yeah, is it like like if Rudy Gobert had a jumper? And he's too different from that. He's too different from that. I, I think, like, he could never be as valuable. He could never be more valuable than Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, yeah, and, again, the fit with Sacramento, I, I think there's questions there. I would definitely, like we said, Edwards won, and then if you're sitting at Wiseman two, I, I'm – probably trading down. I'm going to be interested to go into Onyeka a little bit more and um, and uh, Okoro, guys like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah that, that, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, so next episode you want to do Ball and Denny? Let's do it. That's probably the next two guys. I think that those are the other two guys. Well, I think Ball definitely has a case for number one. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, real fit issues come into with the Kings. And Denny I'm just interested in because I could see him being a great fit. It's kind of like you got the the like the reverse sides of that there where you've got a really – definitely the best player on the board left with LaMelo, but the fit's terrible versus a guy that maybe not be yeah. – maybe wouldn't be BPA, but could have an incredible fit. Right. Denny's going to be interesting to me to dive into a little bit more because um, I had thought his shot was better than, than the numbers are when I had taken a look recently. Um, yeah, I think those those are two guys that will be interesting to get into. And even once we get a little later, it'll be interesting. You know, Obi Toppin, we didn't mention this episode, um, a little bit older, I guess you could say, maybe fits the timeline better. Um, but, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to get to these next two. Um, what, what do we say? We said Ball and Denny, right? Yeah. We're going to go with some overseas guys. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all I got here, man. All right, that's about it. I'm, I'm excited to do more of these. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad to be doing this research. And real quick, I want to shout out. We had got a message on the KP account, someone asking that we do some draft stuff, uh, wondering if we were going to. And it happened to be the next episode. This is at Money Singe D. So shout out to his name's Money on Twitter. That's what we're going with. Shout out to Money. Draft episode for you. He seems like an Okoro guy. So we'll be getting to that one on the next one, guys, my man. But that's gonna do it for this episode of the King's Souls Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you hear from us again in the next couple of days.